Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm John McFarlane, and today I'm pleased to be joined by regular potter of the Record Sports Scott Mc... well Sunday Mails Scott McDermott. Apologies, Scott, and uh, Re- <laughs> and Record Sports Gary Ralston. Today on Record Rangers, is Daniel Candias right? Can Rangers overcome all the odds and claim an unlikely 55th title against all the odds? We look back over a tumultuous game at Hamilton and debate the rights and wrongs of plastic pitches in our elite game. And Bruno Alves in or out with the Portuguese stopper back to full fitness. We look at his future in this Rangers team. Scott, I'm going to start with you. A bit of excitement about the potential for Rangers to make a title tilt. There's nine points now after Celtic dropped two points uh, at Celtic Park at the weekend. How realistic is this feeling? Um, you're right, Johnny. There is a bit of excitement, but I think. There should also be a bit of regret at you know, how close our Rangers could have been. You know, when you look at this league now and you know, how Celtic seasons kind of developed, you, know, you think of the, the dropped points the Rangers have had, particularly at home, against the likes of Hamilton and, and St Johnson. They could actually be a lot closer. They could have a proper title race. Um, listen, if you're a Rangers fan, of course you're going to get excited. Celtic clearly... I've slipped up in the last couple of months unexpectedly. I suppose if you're looking at it optimistically, you know, Rangers could beat Hearts on Saturday. A draw at Pataudry, Aberdeen Celtic, you know, cuts it by another two. If you win every game until the Old Firm game, suddenly you could win an Old Firm game at Ibrox to go, go within four points. It could get really, really interesting. But personally, I don't th- I think it's still too much. <clears throat> I think when Celtic need to produce... A performance, they'll probably do it as they did. I watched them against Zenit. I was at the game last uh, last Thursday, and they were terrific, absolutely terrific against a, a top side. So, is it realistic? I don't think so just yet. But the Rangers fans, or more so the Rangers players, should really be thinking about those about those drop points that do that kind of inconsistency um, that's kind of riddled their, their season because. This is prob- this was probably a golden chance for Rangers, you no, know, a real a season where, you know, maybe didn't expect at the start of it to go go and challenge, but when you actually look at results, as I say, some of the drop points, it was a, a big opportunity to go and go and really compete for a title. Me, listen, if Rangers fans want to see miracles, they better hope Smokey Robinson's playing the hide or something <laughs> soon, because uh, it ain't going to happen in the league. They're too shady, their defence isn't good enough, they yeah. don't string together enough runs or victories when it happens. The conversation that we're having just now, you could have had it about three or four times at various points this season, and they've not delivered. Um, and I also think that the reason that Celtic are dropping points is because 
Um, it's because they can. It's because they're not under enormous pressure. I think the minute that Celtic uh, get a bit of pressure put on them, they'll, they, 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 they will respond. So I don't think that there's enough in the Rangers squad where they're playing a lot better, a bit more pleasing in the eye. Um, they're not good enough defensively and they're not consistent enough when it really matters to even be considered anywhere near title challenge. Yeah, I think, just that Gary's right, I think defensively in particular, there's still a fragility, a kind of vulnerability about Rangers. Um, and that's led to the inconsistent. Well, I, I think that, I think good titles are, are built in good defences, and I don't yeah. think that they've had the a central deferring, defensive pairing all season that's been that's that's been right. Um, I, I did Russell Martin's story, and I thought Russell Martin would bring something to the range, and I still think he will, but he's just no match sharp just now. I don't think the, the the goal that he conceded to David Templeton at the weekend there at Hamilton Ackies was a case in point. Bruno Alves has been in and out of the team, but you would think that he's maybe motivated in the last two or three months of the season with the prospect of playing for Portugal. Um, but good title-winning teams are built on solid defence and, and the Rangers' defence at this stage and the new development of the team. I'm sorry, they're just not good enough. How big is this game against Hearts for Rangers to prove you guys wrong on this? If those guys want to go out there and lay a marker down, get to six points of Celtic, because we've seen them already this season have this kind of opportunity. Gary alluded to it, where... They could make a dent in a in the, the the difference between the sides, and they've not done it. But, but I don't think it will be proving people wrong because they've already shown they can beat you know big teams uh, this season. They've done it against Aberdeen and Hearts and and even Celtic. You know the the test for Rangers is whether they can go on a run of beating your Hamiltons and St Johnsons. And I mean they've played Hamilton uh, the last two games against Hamilton. You know they conceded five goals. I mean <clears throat> for me Hamilton are the worst team in the, the worst team in the league. So. I don't think it's. I, I fully expect Rangers to go and beat Hearts on Saturday. It'll be a tough game, um, but they've shown, as I say, like the home games against Aberdeen, like they went to Murrayfield and beat Hearts, um, that they can produce you know, on the day. And I think I think they will beat them. As we say, the big question mark is whether they can then go on a run and beat teams that are that are in the bottom six comfortably. But look, we talk about that, and you know, so Rangers could beat be Hearts this weekend. Then the pressure allegedly gives itself to get Pitozzi. We had the same conversation at the start of the season. Oh, I wonder how Celtic will respond. Celtic went up to Petodje and scored. It was three goals in the first day, uh, first, first, first yeah. half, and just absolutely blitzkrieged um, Aberdeen. A, a, yeah. a terrific performance. Maybe even their best, certainly in the first half, their best uh, performance of the season from Celtic. So, um, so they can, they can, they can deliver when they, uh, you know, when it, when the, when 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 they're in inverted commas up against it. I think that's a big difference. Gary, in terms of the January recruitment, obviously most of us would look at the signings of Jamie Murphy, um, Russell Martin, who's had a mixed time so far, but as you say, I think a lot of us believe that he'll come good. Um, Jason Cummins, do you believe that they are getting closer? I believe that I believe that the, the policy that Graham Murphy and Mark Allen have adopted is the right policy, which is a kind of British mentality, Scottish-British mentality of guys who have been the distance, know the score... And, and, and a squad of good pros, you know, that played at a decent level. I think that that's the way for, and I think that that should have been the way forward for Rangers from the very minute and day that they get back into the Premiership. But they went and appointed Pedro and, and tried to take three steps at once instead of one going through the the, the the channels as they should have done. This is what Rangers should have been doing all along. So it will get them closer, but whether the quality gap will be is enough to be bridged, only time will tell. Yeah, I think they are, they are getting closer because they've got better players. It's as, it's as simple as that. I mean, as Gary 
rightly points out, I don't think it was rocket science as to what Rangers needed you know, when they get back into the top flight. They went down that different route. It hasn't worked and it's left them you know, kind of behind the eight ball and, and playing you know, playing catch up even more even more so than they would have, they would have expected in normal circumstances. But the signings have been good. You, know, you didn't mention Sean Goss there, he's another one. They've just taken the quality level up and that will get them close to Celtic. Whether it can get them not to challenge them for a title, I'm not so sure. I think they probably need another transfer window. You need to secure guys who are currently in loan, get them signed up, as well as adding adding some more. But listen, I think there's reasons to be to be optimistic if you're a, if you're a Rangers fan. I think that they finally seem to be on the right kind of the right road. Um, and the fact that you know, the fact that they're even discussing a potential title challenge shows how how far they've come. Um, certainly since the since the summer. Gary, where do you think they need to focus recruitment in the summer to get back to a stage where they can give a tangible challenge to Celtic? I think they're going to have to look at um, the centre of their defence for sure. Um, you know, because I'm a great believer also that the, the, the spines of teams are really really important, and Rangers have never really had that kind of dominant centre half. Um, you know, they'll play Hearts this weekend and I know people might scoff but I think Christoph Bear has been absolutely outstanding for them uh, this season um, so I think that they need uh, they need to look at the central um, central defensive area um, middle to front I actually think they look quite good particularly if they can get Jamie Murphy and a lot of it of course will depend on uh, on Morelos and where he's um, yeah. and where he is next season um, but I certainly think they have to look at the the centre of their defence and they have to look for a you know inspirational leaders in there because that's what they're badly lacking at the moment yeah I agree I mean I just the defence is lacking they've no go ah. Uh, They've not got an outstanding centre half there. They've not got a pairing. Um, has Bruno Alves been a letdown? Well, you would have to say so. No, if you look at his performances, the amount of games he's played, injuries he's picked up, it hasn't really. When he signed, I think every Rangers fan thought, right, this guy's going to be the leader. This guy's going to be the one that plays every week. It'll be somebody alongside him. Um, he's going to take. Know, take the team on to a, a kind of different level and it hasn't really it hasn't happened I mean I actually still think if you can get the best out of Alves he's still by far the best centre half they've got uh, well, if you can get him playing we'll, we'll come back on to that um, Gary's talking about middle to front and if we move into the Hamilton game one player that made a, a big difference with a hat trick was obviously Josh Windass now Scott you've had your say on Josh Windass are you ready to eat humble pie? No, really, no. I mean, he's he's done brilliant uh, the last few games or the last few weeks, certainly, and he's, he's goal return. Um, it might sound a ridiculous thing to say, but I think I think there's still more to come for Windass, or you can actually get more out of him um, in terms of his general play. But listen, you can't you can't argue with the with the goals, and his his finishing has been brilliant the last the last couple of weeks. Um, signing a new contract as well has obviously gave him a. Gave him a wee boost as well, so no, listen, you can't can knock the guy's performances the last couple of games. 31 appearances, Gary, 15 goals, 8 assists. What do you take? What do you think of the boy? Listen, I, 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 I've liked him since the, the day and minute that he walked in there, middle to front. I think in his goals, I think 11 of his goals have come on the road. I think he's a, like, I saw a bizarre tweet that he's a top goal scorer and 
Europe or some that for goals scored away from home this season. You know, even like you know, you'll laugh, but Messi and Suarez and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, he starts, this, this is going to be the video clip that's going yeah, out. Ralston compares Winnaster. No, so he's 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 um, uh, so he's very good, and I think that's probably indicative of of the way that Rangers play away from home. They maybe get a wee bit more freedom in the final third than they do at home. But I still think that he's got much to improve on in his all round game. I don't think that he's as good in possession sometimes as he. Uh, as he should be and I certainly think his diligence in terms of tracking back at times yeah. uh, can let him down um, and I think that I think he's a player that both pleases and infuriates Graham Murty in, in equal measure um, because I, the, the, some of the runs that he makes into the box I don't know how many goals scored this season but making that ball out wide to Candias whipped in across the um, across the, the front of the 18 yard box and he's, and he's got a, a real head of steam to get in there ahead of defenders and, and, and finish uh, finish off some good moves so he's got a real attacking instinct but I just think he has to have a, a greater <coughs> discipline in his, uh, in his all round play yeah I think there's great potential there he's young enough he's still learning he'll get better um, he's certainly not the finished article I agree with Gary I still think he gives away cheap possession at times unnecessarily um, but he's tracking back I mean he's <coughs> he's been fortunate uh, no fortunate but he's been given a bit of freedom for Graham Murty, you know, when he was stuck out in the left wing before, um, he wasn't really producing. Um, but he's now got that kind of free roll off the striker and fair play to him. He's, he's taken advantage uh, and he's played really well the last couple. Is that his position? Because he's been a lot of chat. Is he a number 10? Is he a striker? Is he a sort of second striker? I mean, he's not a traditional number 9. Or... I, think, well, I think you're pretty much deciding that he's got to play off a striker or in that number 10. Bro, he's not a he's not a kind of orthodox central midfielder, and he's certainly not a wide man. I mean, he's listen, he's not an orthodox ten though, because he's not a guy who can pick a pass. But he's he's got the pace. Um, and he can finish. He's he's got he's got kind of he's got striker instincts. I think without being a, a number nine. I wonder if his think. positions are just slightly deep. Yeah. Number nine, almost like a false number nine. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's every chance. He's certainly not a wide man. I mean, we see him. <laughs> Uh, listen, he can do that role because he can cut in for the left on his right foot and cause a bit of damage. But I think in the last kind of six weeks, we've really seen you know, what he can do with, with that bit of freedom and just been given license to go and go and roam. They'll go either side and get close to the get close to the front man. Um, and I think that's where you'll see him. I don't expect you know, for the rest of this season. Certainly, I don't expect him to be shifted into a wide area again. I think if he's playing. It'll be as a, a second striker or, or as a number 10. Gary, given his skill set as a player, he's got pace, he's got power, he's young, he's English, do you feel like this is a guy that you might be writing transfer stories about in the, the years well, to come? Undoubtedly, and that's why Rangers, both with Tavernier and with uh, Windass as well, that's why they've moved to protect their investment as well as obviously saying that you know we want them here for the next two or three years. It's been a shrewd move. Um, and I think if he continues to impress, I think the last transfer window is being linked with clubs like Preston and Leeds United. Um, you know, I think if he continues to impress and continues to improve, I think there might be somebody that takes a punt on him at the uh, you know the lower reaches of the, the 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 Premier League, a kind of Crystal Palace type, or maybe a, an upper end of the the Championship uh, club. And it would certainly be more than the half a million pounds that he was being talked about in January. I, I think he's got really, really. Uh, really, really good potential. He's still a young kid as well. Well, young, he's what, 22? Early 20s. Early 20s. So, I mean, he's still got time on his side. And I think the Rangers have been very shrewd, something that they've not always done in the past. Um, they've obviously weighed them in this contract, but they've protected their investment in the uh, in the process. 
one player that uh, has come in and has done well, and certainly against Hamilton looked the looked the business, was uh, Jamie Murphy. Now, Scott, I give you a bit of stick for Windass, but I have to say you called Jamie Murphy spot on in terms of his uh, performances so far: five goals, one go- uh, five games, one goal, three assists. He's obviously been contributing heavily to the team. What do you make of his early? That was his best game by far. I mean, I think I think he's no, he was okay up until no, up until Sunday, but. Uh, that first half performance from him, no, the runs he was making in for the left were just cutting Hamilton, cutting Hamilton open, uh, and some lovely touches for the for the assists. You know, the awareness to uh, to slip it back to Morelos when it looked as if he was going to he was going to have a goal with a rebound, and then he's flicked for Windass for you know, for that great kind of team goal. Um, it was fantastic. I don't think there was any doubt that Murphy would eventually, you know, or will become, you no, know, going to become a top. Player at Rangers, the levels he's played at and where, where he's come from, you know, get into that environment, yeah, coming into this environment, I think he was always going to be a success. I think it has taken him a wee bit of time to settle down. I think he's been kind of quietly effective without being, uh, no, really impressive. But Sunday, as I say, was his was his best game by far. Gary, has he given the team balance? Because you've got Candias and Tavernier ripping it up on the right hand side. Having Jamie Murphy on the left, does that give Rangers a new dimension as a team? It does, but I just wonder what he does defensively. I, I've not seen enough of him in a def- from a defensive point of view just to see if that's an area in which he can, uh, in which he can, he can maybe improve. Um, and it's funny because he steps inside. I'm trying to think against Hamilton Aki's, um, You know, he's not an orthodox kind of left winger, and I, I think he comes. I think Rangers do that quite well as when they're over on the right. You know they they pull their they pull their left uh, sided guy more into a, a into a central role, um, and it can it can pick a pass in and around the box. You know he likes it. He delivers a good strike as well. Um, but him and Declan John uh, defensively are they are they are, are they at it? Lee Wallace coming back in as well. How will the arrival of Lee Wallace back the team? Because we know how much he likes to gallop forward. I kind of think that Murphy and uh, Declan John quite suit each other because what I like about Declan John is his unpredictability um, because he's forever cutting inside and that creates chaos in the in the central areas and it le- can leave space for Murphy on the outside um, as well. So I, th- I think Graham uh, Murphy will be looking at the, the permutations on the left and saying, I- I- it would surprise me if he actually just kept it the way it is because I, I don't think that Lee Wallace is, um, you know, has, has really ha- had really been offered enough to suggest that, he's, that the Rangers are crying out for his return. I think it's going to be a dilemma for Murty when, when Wallace comes back. Um, I think Declan John is has been excellent. No, since he, since he, he lacks since height he, at the back, which is which is which is the biggest failing for a fullback. Yeah, I think Lee Wallace is better defensively than John, but I agree with Gary. You no, know, when John gallops, you no, know, and I know I know Wallace is a kind of marauding fullback as well, but John. You know, makes those kind of piercing runs. I think he's more skillful than Wallace when he gets into the kind of final, final third as well. He's not afraid to cut inside and, and actually take people on in the kind of attacking third. So, um, listen, it's just great for Murty that he's one of these options. If he gets Wallace back fully fit, you no, know, you might you might pick Lee Wallace maybe for a game that's you no know, away to Aberdeen or something. else, maybe you want to be a bit more defensive. So Rangers have made enough of those kind of options. You no, know, when you've got real quality. Two guys for one one position, and you, you wouldn't be, you know, as a manager, you wouldn't be, uh, you wouldn't think twice about putting any of them in. You've got no worries about any of them. So if he gets Wallace back fully fit, that's going to be a that's going to be a great kind of selection headache for the have. 
Just before we move on from the attackers, I just wanted to ask quickly about Jason Cummings. Obviously, he's a guy that the Rangers fans have taken to their hearts so far, but he's not seen a lot of game time. And I was wondering what your thoughts were, Gary, with regards to whether or not he's going to be happy with the amount of minutes he's had so far and how that might affect any potential long-term move that would take place in the summer. I think he's a type of boy. He's a greedy boy, you know, in the best possible way. He just loves playing football and desperate to get involved. But I think that he's also pragmatic enough to know that Morelos has got the shot there and for obvious reasons. And I think Murty played the pair of them together at Air United. Um, obviously, it must have worked for them. They scored six goals and, and, and they were in amongst them. Um, so I think that he'll know that he will get opportunities there. Uh, and I think that he'll be keen in the next three months or so just to prove that he's a, that he's not that I'm ever suggesting that he has been, but that he's not a disruptive influence. He's not, not going to be going and knocking his manager's door. If anything, he's going to be doing all that he can to prove that he's not just worth of a place in this Rangers team, but he'll be worth a place in a Rangers team going forward. Because as I said, the big question for the summer, I think for Rangers, will be what they do with Morelos. So Cummings might, I think he'll be finding his feet in at the club, keen to make a contribution. Um, won't always necessarily like it coming from the bench, but I think he'll be realistic enough to know or to accept the position as it currently is and the position as it could well be in future. Yeah, I think he'll just be enjoying at the moment being part of things, being part of a squad. You know, of course, he'll, he'll want to start every game, you know, like any player, but from where he's come from at Nottingham Forest, where he, he probably he probably felt quite far out of the picture, you know, and kind of wondering. Know, where is this team going? Where am I going? Where's my career going? He's now, he's back. He's settled in. He's enjoying it. Yeah, I know that for a fact. Um, he's just enjoying being part of that squad. And he knows. Listen, as Gary says, he can hardly complain that Morelos is playing ahead of him, given Morelos his goal record this season, top scorer in the league. But Cummings will just be pleased that he's in there. He's his kind of backup. Of course, he'll, be, he'll want to push him you know, as far as he can if he gets a chance. For both of them to play, um, he has to go and take it like he did at Somerset with a, with a brilliant finish, you know, an underrated finish. Um, so I think, as Gary said, I don't think he'll be he'll be chatting Graham Murty's door. I think he'll just be enjoying being back, being part of something and contributing whenever he can. And I think he can look at Morelos as well and learn from him, not just in terms yeah. of what... Because what's really impressed me about Morelos, uh, you know... Isn't as much as the goals that he scored, although they've obviously been crucial. I watched him really quite closely at Hamilton, and I was really impressed with his work rate. His work rate is tremendous across well, the line. You know, he bullied the boy Xavier Thomas to death. Yeah. You know, and he dragged the Hamilton Aki's defence all over the place, and he left space for Murphy and Windass to, to come through and exploit. I think that's probably, and, and I think he assisted with two. The we cross across for Windass, and he, he, he had an assist for Murphy in uh, the equaliser, the very yeah. first goal as well. It showed great strength because he's up against a big centre half. Yes, yeah, the the they call it they call him the Buffalo, and he's, he's like that. You know, he's a powerful, he's a powerful well. bugger, You know, yeah. and and I think he's um, you know, he carries a kind of infectious joy the way that he, the, the, the the way that he plays. I think he's um, and he's really really strong. I think he's uh, you know, I think he contributes as much in terms of his assists and the the the, the role that he plays in, for others in the team as much as he does scoring goals as well. I think Cummings can learn from any loss how to play that lone striker role. I think that's the one thing you look at Cummings at the moment and you worry about him when he is a lone striker, knows he got enough about him, not to hold guys off and lead the line, you know, play teammates into, you know, into play. So 
if he's looking at Morelos, um, no, it's not as if Morelos, I know he's, no, he's kind of bulky, but he's not, a, he's not a big target man, do you know what I mean? So he can watch Morelos and, and really learn how to play that role because Gary says Morelos deserves a lot of credit for a guy so young, you know, to be playing that role and he'd be doing it so well, uh, he deserves a lot of credit. Well, um, it'd be remiss of us not to touch on the the transfer speculation surrounding uh, Morelos. Gary, you broke the story of the £7.5 million bid from China. Where is this, as you understand it at the moment? There's been a lot of rumour and conjecture about a further £11 million bid and we're, we're hurtling towards the, the end of the Chinese window. No, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm... Uh, my information is that there was the two bids that were received. I think there's been a lot of smoke and mirrors in the last week or so about additional bids. I, I, I'm led to believe that there weren't any additional bids uh, that had come in. I, I think Rangers were maybe made aware that there might be a couple of South American clubs also tracking them, but clubs tracking, and I'm, I'm sure there are, but clubs tracking and clubs actually making official bids, as Beijing Renyi did, is two completely different things. So I think that they looked at the, the, the two bids from, from, from Beijing um, and decided, no, they, 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 Dave King was adamant that he didn't have to sell um, and that it would leave them short of options. And I, Celtic fans really have difficulty understanding this. That, oh, wait, the Rangers are skimped. They're two days away from administration. They're this, they're that. They've got three million loans here and three million loans there. Um, but King basically made a decision and said, look, unless I think the money from coming from China was silly, He's sticking with Morelos at least until the summer because to have sold them, particularly at that stage in the in the European transfer window, would have left them with only Jason Cummings and we wouldn't be having this conversation that we're having just now about potential type chases and stuff like that. I don't think if they'd sold Morelos even a, in, even a couple of weeks ago. So um, they'll look at it in the summer and I think they're right, OK, Morelos could you know, go out and train tomorrow and break an ankle. Hope for the kids' sake that doesn't happen. But Rangers are taking a bit of a gamble and saying, well, you know what, we think there's still more to come from him. Why would Morelos want to move to China? He's got ambitions to go to Colombia, to go and play in the World Cup. That's not going to be an ambition that's particularly well served if he leaves a club where he's just getting established at this stage. And you know what, if he does make that Colombian squad, if he does make the World Cup, um, you know, Rangers could be looking at a lot more than a package worth £7.5 million in the, in, in the summer. Um, because you see some of the money that's firing about now, there may, there may well be clubs who are you know tempted to take up on at the 10, 11, 12 million pounds mark, which is outrageous money for, for as far as we're concerned in Scottish football. But for a six million know, less than Gareth Barry went for, well, there you go. I mean, there's, 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 it's literally that. Should Rangers not be trying to tie many else up? But I think they've got to be. I think they've got to be realistic with that as well, though, Scott. You know, I think that they'll. I think they'll have an understanding with with the, with the player and his agent. Look, let's 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 just. It ain't broke just now, so let's let's not fix it. I think they've struck gold with Morelos, and I think they know that they've struck gold with him. And it's possibly similar to the Dembele situation in um, in, in, in Celtic, where you've got this guy and you've got this real asset and you've got him on a good contract. And he probably wouldn't want another contract anyway. You know, you've got him for three or four years, so let's just sit it at that and let's see what happens in the summer. Maybe if nothing happens in the summer, they may well go back to him again. But I think they'll, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll sit just now. Scott, I just want to touch on the sort of fanfare around these stories uh, to get your perspective because you have a situation whereby ten years ago, if Rangers star striker in the top scorer of the league was being linked with other clubs, it would be the Rangers fans onto the press saying. You know, you're trying to get this player away and the Celtic fans would be loving it. Now it's 
Rangers fans are seeing these as positive stories because they see it as interest in the club from from outside, from other from big teams, big money. And Celtic fans are saying, no, this this isn't right. It's it's a, it's a weird situation, isn't it? It is weird, but I think it's just a, a consequence of where Rangers have been, you know, and what's what happened to the club, you know, and everything everything that went with it. Uh, the Celtic fans will be sceptical about, about everything, you know, when they hear Rangers are turning down, you know, turning down that kind of money because, as Gary says, you no, know, there's still this, this perception that Rangers are Rangers are toiling financially. But you know, on the positive side for Rangers, I think it's a real statement uh, of intent with the Morelos situation because I think when most people initially heard or read that story, you no, know, seven and a half million, you no, know, for a guy that you paid one million for. Six months previously, I think most people would have said, "Right, no, let's snap our hand off." Because well, we thought that on the on the podcast when we first heard it, we yeah, thought eight million. That's definitely no. The initial thought was you need you need to take it, and also know the fact that Rangers desperately needed the money, but Rangers are still you no know, in a kind of recovery mode, if you like, in terms of you know, they're trying to build build revenue and, and get money in, and that's that model of buying cheap. We've spoken about it before buying cheap. And selling, selling high. I mean, Morelos would be the would be the perfect example of that. And and no one could have argued. Friends would have said, you know what, he's he's our star striker, but we can't turn down a six and a half million pound profit in the space of six months. We've got Mark Allen. We've got a new scouting team in place. We'll go and find the next Morelos, whether he's in Finland or Norway or, or, or wherever. Don't think anyone would argue with that. But the fact that they've said no, uh, as I say, I think it's a real a real statement, you've got to admire him for that and the punters will be will be delighted because he's he's obviously a, became a big big fan's favourite. Gary, you've been about the block a little bit in terms of journalism. Is the sort of fervour atmosphere that's now surrounding these clubs? Rocked around the clock. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, is that is it more intense than it's ever been with the that you talked about admin too and the, the blogosphere and social media is it is it listen, I think it's probably whereas in the past you would you know, you just go down the pub and, you know, yeah. shout and ball at each other. The fact is, it's all done in social media now, you know, so um, so I think it's, um, to fairness, the, the, the Rangers collapse is, um, financial collapse is yeah. obviously um, focused a lot of attentions on that on that story. So it's the perfect storm of, of, of that whole financial chaos around the, the club, its impact or otherwise in Scottish football, the rise of Celtic, the rise of social media. Um, it just all in together. Listen, Keeps us in uh, keeps us in in, in, in in bobbies and plenty to talk about, doesn't it? Moving back to the defence, I just wanted to assess the situation with Bruno Alves. Obviously, he's back to full fitness, desperate to go and play in the World Cup. Do we see him making a return to the Rangers side? And if so, who does he displace? If they keep defending the way they did at Hamilton, Johnny I and mean, Graham Murphy's going to need to change something because. As I say, conceding five goals to Hamilton in two games isn't he, isn't he good enough. Um, I thought Russell Martin was poor on Sunday. Um, his poorest game, he gave the ball away for the... I thought he was, you know, lack sharpness for the Templeton goal. Um, the penalty incident, I thought it was bizarre why he went to ground so early. I thought it was... just thought it was poor defending. You're taught, you know, as a, as a young defender. Uh, kind of very early in your career to stay up as long as possible. There was no need for him to go to ground, whether you think it was a penalty or not. It's the second time as well that he's given away a penalty with his arms same, high in yeah, the box. Same thing that happened at Ross County. So 
he'll be disappointed. Listen, I think we said at the time when Russell Martin signed that no, no one was saying he was a, he was a, the best centre half around, but it was more about what he would bring to the dressing room. You know that kind of leadership, the experience. I've no doubt he will be bringing that, and, and Graham Murphy will see him as a, a really valuable member of the squad now. But he's still got to perform uh, on a Saturday, and as I say. If he performs like he did at the weekend, then you know if you've got Bruno Alves sitting there, as you say, itching to get to get game time, then Russell Martin could be under a could be under a wee bit of pressure. You so. know, that, they they will bring uh, Bruno Alves back because I, I know for a fact that they you know they had the chance to offload Alves with two or three days to go in the transfer window, and they made the decision says no, Alves stays, and the reason that he stays is because he's a kind of. An assassin, if you like, and the, the one type of central defender that they, do, that they don't have. You know, I think it was it was it Aberdeen and uh, was it the Aberdeen game at Ibrox? Just the home, um, yeah, yeah. the home game at, at the end. He was the one guy that was putting his, put, putting, his, putting his putting his head in everywhere and winning challenges. And it's that kind of defender that uh, you know that Rangers uh, that Rangers uh, or, or certainly that the coaching staff felt that they needed. So I think Bruno Alves fit, uh, motivated with the prospect of the World Cup as well um, I think he goes into the team and I think possibly David Bates drops out um, I, you know, I don't think the kids look quite at it in the last few weeks it seems to be a wee wandering of, I've never thought he's, he's possession is passing from the back has improved slightly but um, but I just think he's uh, you know, he really needs to get that contract situation sorted um, just now it looks to me as if it's as if it's playing on his uh, playing on his on his mind a wee bit, but he does have a wee bit of pace which uh, which Alves doesn't have. Clever strikers work the channels and drag drag Alves all over the place. I'm not so sure if Martin's got the pace either to to, to tuck in behind him and offer that cover. Um, but I think probably Martin and, and Alves will be there. Why, the why do you there. think they can't get bits? No contract nailed down. I mean, I thought it would have been the simplest of negotiations. No, no, I think he's guy. changed. Uh, he's changed agent as well, so maybe that's yeah. something to do with it. So, um, uh, yeah, a, a young guy. I, I don't know how much he's. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much he's he's, he's he's asking for. The devil's always in the detail, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that he'll be looking for, um, you know, certain assurances about his future as, as, as well. You know, is Graham Murphy going to be there beyond the end of the season? Does a new manager come in and fancy him or not fancy him? I don't know, but I think that I think he'd be keen to stay at Rangers, yeah. but, uh, but everybody's got their price, haven't they? There was some decent clubs linked, championship clubs and things like that, with David Bates. And one thing I have noticed about him is all the stats guys on Twitter that compile their little charts and radars and stuff like that. David Bates is performing exceptionally well in those. And that's, I think, how a lot of the scouting's done down south. You know, that's how they identify who they're looking at. So maybe he is getting genuine interest and that's driving up yeah, the, the bargain. Yeah, but I, mean, I think if you're David Bates or you're in the David Bates camp, I mean, I think you need to be grateful for what you've got. You know, consider where he's come from. He's been given a, a chance at Rangers, you know, that most people, even when he first came into the team, I think most fans, you know, journalists, whoever, probably looked and think, right, this boy's not going not gonna to quite cut it at this level, you know, coming for a throwers, but credit to him, he's no, uh, he's no the silkiest, he's not going to build for the back and play wee passes into midfield and stuff, but I think he's actually, uh, you know, his attributes... No, Rangers don't have another defender like him, basically. He's proper old-school, old-fashioned centre-half. I think that's what Murty, Murty likes about him. Would you pair him with Alves? What would be your first-choice sure centre-half pair? I get what Gary's saying. No, Martin and Alves, two experienced guys, no, probably no, on paper, they, they would like your best partnership. But no, the two of them are no, well into their, 
their 30s obviously um, so you'd maybe maybe want a bit more a bit more youth in there so listen he's just got to pick a pairing that, that works um, because as I say they, they can they just can't defend what they did what they did on Sunday I mean so Bates or Alves Alves or Martin you know there's Car- Cardozo still there as, as well who you know, we we spoke before. I think there's, I think there is a there is a player in there, but it's just just getting it out. So I'm not sure. I just think Alves with his experience, if he is, you know, which we're led to believe he wants to get back playing, you know, to make sure he is in that that Portugal squad. You would expect if he does go in fully fit, then he would he would produce good performances. So I think he's got to play, and you know, as we say, the big decision for Murphy will be who goes in beside him. Moving on to the debate, we've had an article on Daily Record online regarding the plastic pitch yesterday. Gary, you contributed to that, as did I. Um, what, what's Just to clarify for anyone who's not read that, what's your take on the overall plastic surfaces in elite-level football, so at that top level? The only games that should be played in plastic are Twister. Uh, at elite level, I don't think it belongs. I've yet to see a game on a, a plastic pitch that's been remotely what I would consider impassable. I watched um, Coman up Celtic the other week and thought the run of the ball was a joke. Um, saw it against uh, some too many games at, at, at Rugby Park. I thought that the the worst advert for Scottish football last season and what should have been one of our showpiece games was the Hamilton Ackies and Dundee United playoff second leg of the final which I just thought was a stinking match and the pitch, sticky pitch didn't contribute to that at all. I think it looks poor when we're trying to sell the game as a product uh, we're talking about SPFL uh, trying to get a new television deal, and yet we're playing our, 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 our top-level games on, on, on plastic pitches. It's Quite frankly, it's not acceptable. I love plastic pitches. My kids play in plastic pitches, boys and girls. Um, love what plastic pitches, artificial pitches, have done for Scottish football at a grassroots level in particular over the last 20 years. Um, Adam, you remember playing at Helen Vale? used to be the only pitch. It was like playing in concrete. So it was so that, so, yeah. so, but what a thrill it was to play in a, in a, a surface that wasn't a... I've said this before. As kids, you were desperate to play in Astrid. I think they read Astrid. It was like going from Clifton Hill to Ibrox. You know what I mean? It was like... That's my thing. I agree with most of what Gary said. Of course, in a perfect world, it would be grass you know, every every stadium, that's that's what they want, that, that's what they should be. But two things. One, when we talk about Scottish football being elite level, unfortunately the finances and stuff in Scottish football you could argue, you know, it's not quite elite, you no, know, your Hamilton's and Kelly's and people like that. No. See, this is I, 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 I agree with you, Scott, but I, and this is where I think the Scottish football's got an opportunity. I think what Peter Lowell had to say last week was very interesting about the kind of medium term finances. And I think in seven or eight, six, seven, eight years, you'll be seeing clubs like um, Celtic, Rangers, Aberdeen, Hearts, Hibs, you know, the bigger clubs will be challenging to play in the Champions League and also challenging to play in a Europa League where the qualification for it will be more assured than it is in the current Scatty um, process. Yeah. Um, you know, when Rangers can get to progress in either corner or whatever, <laughs> and that's a season goose yeah. from a European point of view. Now, that would then bring it with it, with it, more European League would bring with it, for a club like Aberdeen, maybe six, seven, eight million pounds in broadcast revenue. Now, what I would like to see is, when that happens, is that the SPFL money, which is never going to be great, yeah. Be, just simply because it is what it is, I would like to see the top clubs, if they're getting a lot of money from the European broadcast revenue, I would like to see them distribute 
more of that money into the clubs that are sitting in the sixth and the seventh and the eighth and the ninth, ninth places. <laughs> so you're talking about Dundee's, your Partick Thistles, Hamilton Ackies, Ross Counties, so that they can then just to invest the in, 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 in infrastructure, you know, so that you can, um, you know, so that so that so that they can receive a, a you know a financial boost from that as well. Because in my opinion, there's no point in giving if Celtic win the league. And they're getting access to, I think it was 36 million of Champions League broadcast revenue. Under a new system, six or seven, eight years' time, when you've got this Europa League finance and what have you, there's, for me, there would be no point in, say, for example, Celtic getting £40 million broadcast revenue for reaching the Champions League group stages, Rangers getting £12 million uh, revenue for reaching the Europa League group stages, maybe Aberdeen getting £8 million, Hearts getting £8 million, and then those clubs also demanding. The thick edge of two million yeah. or three million pound from a domestic broadcast deal as well. You know, give them half of that money and invest the other half and make it much more equitable, so yeah. that so that we can do much more to kind of give Scottish or else those top five clubs are just going to push away from everybody yeah. else, and we'll be continue to have this debate because it's, it's understandable why Hamilton Ackies, um, why Aloha, why Queen of the oh, South, yes. why um, <clears throat> why uh, why It's understandable why they have these plastic pitch. They're revenue generators, yeah. and they've got to re- because their crowds are declining or have been traditionally declining. You know they've got to make the community um, facilities as well. I get all that, but I just think at an elite level, it looks terrible. I noticed that um, the Italian league renegotiated a deal recently, mm-hmm. and uh, part of that was that they had to have a certain level of the stadium completely full. So, so, so say it was like a rugby park, the average is five thousand, eighteen thousand. They would have to have them in a certain in at a certain level so the so TV like cameras it. pick them in and it, it doesn't matter about the replays and all that because obviously eventually there will be shots without but the general footage shows the fans and there's also stuff like the, the grass has to be a certain colour across it so they can project um, advertising onto the pitch while, while the game's in play but it just shows you that it does matter to broadcasters these little details that we maybe don't necessarily think about and for me that's a big a, a big thing the way it it puts across our game as it looks a bit small time and you've got to go into these negotiations thinking big time otherwise you're going to get the kind of crappy deal that we have at the yeah, moment but there's an argument I mean, it's been mentioned loads of times nothing new but I mean, when you look at the TV deal well, for instance a couple of weeks ago it was Kilmarnock v Celtic the live game on the Saturday Saturday morning Saturday lunchtime and it was a lot of empty empty seats plastic pitch doesn't look great no a couple of years later you get Rangers v Hibs at Ibrox absolutely packed to, to the rafters and a, a cracking game. No, you knew it was going to be a cracking game uh, turning up that day. So why is the Rangers Hibs game known TV? And I know Rangers would argue you know, the other clubs that would be affected not might affect season tickets and stuff like that. But if, you know, if we're going to get a proper TV deal, if we're going to call ourselves you know, elite level football, then you know, we need to project a a far more positive image you know, to, to the world. Do you think the guys you know, around the world you know, tuning in, you know, turn over to Kilmarnock or, or, or Hamilton, you know, there's, there's empty seats everywhere, as opposed to flipping on to Rangers v Hibs at Ibrox, I say, the, the, the stadium's packed. Of course you're going to watch it. The only thing is that, that I, I agree with much of that, um, Scotty. The only thing is that Old Firm fans are the ones who more than any are put out, particularly when they go away and it's Sunday at twelve thirty at Ross County or yeah. it's you know it's maybe the way around it would be because I, I think you're right, I think broadcasters have got to see the best side of Scottish football. So maybe it could well be that one of the slots, whether the police would allow it, I don't know, but hey, they're public servants, let's actually 
start demanding that they, yeah. they, they, they do their job and actually tell them it's maybe like a five o'clock kickoff on a Saturday uh, in a Saturday afternoon for a you know for a for a for a Rangers Hibs game or a Celtic Dundee game so that you can see the uh, see more of a you know more of a, a or generate more of an atmosphere. Uh, Okay guys, thanks for joining me, that's all from us. We'll be back next midweek with more news and analysis of all things Rangers. If you want to get in touch to continue the debate, you can. I'm on Twitter at Johnny R. McFarlane. Scott is at Scott McDermott 8. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audioboom to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. of desire.